So uh, this is podcast number 38 of Hoarding Stuff or Hoarding Stuff, depending which side of the hoarding world you live in. And um, Dave and I are very excited today to have uh, Derek Mills with us, who is a happy millionaire, Mm. because what we want to talk about today is, is having a lot of money hoarding money or not? And this came from an article that I read that was actually from the India Times, um, which which said it was an article called Eight Signs That Tell Whether You're Saving Money or Hoarding Money. And so it's just been a very interesting topic that occasionally comes up because if you hoard items and a lot of them, then the press really isn't very kind to you. Um, But if you hoard money or have a lot of money, then the press is very kind to you. And so what is the difference and is the one? And can you, you know, you know, when is enough enough as well? I think Mm -hmm. that's um, that's an interesting one of the sort of eight signs. So before I let anybody else speak, I'm just going to tell you the eight signs and then we can just unpick them perhaps over the next few minutes. I see how it is. I see how it is. Yeah, we will remain quiet. That's fine. Just for the eight signs, Dave, and then you can chip in. We've been cancelled, Derek. We've been cancelled, mate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there are some telltale signs of a hoarder. Uh, Inability to give away money to anyone else. Anxiety while spending money. Difficulty in organising and keeping track of money saved. Indecision about what to do when encountered with money decisions deep suspicion of others when it comes to money matters and obsessive fears about losing savings. Mm. And and really, at what point do you say that enough is enough? So, mm-hmm. Derek, what do you think about these these sort of signs yeah. that, that, that you might be hoarding money rather than investing or saving money? Yeah, um, I think it's a great question because a lot of people that I meet in the wealth management space and outside of that, have this sort of obsession about getting money, you know, almost as a goal. I, I need to get a million pounds or be a millionaire. Um, or once I've got the million pounds, how do I get two million or three million or five or ten, whatever the number might be? And a lot of them, intelligent people in the main, I also recognize have um, no more idea than a goat that that isn't the main count in life that they make it the main thing, but the reality of it is it can't possibly be the main thing. You know, you can have a life and accumulate money and um, and leave behind shattered family, you know, shattered relationships um, and an absence of love. And uh, a lot of, you mentioned a few of these things indirectly, indirectly, lack of trust in other people, which, you know, which comes out of fear and, and uh, fear of loss. So you put all that together, you think there's huge amounts of people that have attached the wrong value to money. Um, you know, so, and that's one of the things, you know, in the Bible it says, you know, uh, love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. Yeah. We attach yeah. what we ascribe to it. So we can make money evil within our own lives and money everybody else's if we link the wrong things to it. We have other people who are less wealthy, not millionaires, or who are millionaires, who are the most joyous, giving, sharing, open, trusting, 
people that you ever hope to meet, whether they've got a hundred pounds in the bank or a million pounds in the bank. So what we do know, it's not about the money, it's about the mindset of the individual in relation to money. So that's what, what I've learned both in my life and the lives of, you know, 24,000 money interviews in the last 20 odd years. Wow, that's a lot of So money is a tool essentially, isn't it? It's, it's a tool for getting things done. And I don't know whether you agree with this, but there's a nice sort of metaphor of if money is left in one place to pull and pull, it's like water. So it becomes stagnant, mm. right? Whereas if it's a nice flowing river, then it's clear, hopefully, until unless you're in England, of course, where you've got your sewage in there as well. But <laughs> let's not take the metaphor that far. Now, you you yourself, you're a happy millionaire, as you say. Yeah. But at some points in your life previously, you weren't so happy. That's so right. What was your relationship with money then? Well, first, I didn't have any. Yeah. <laughs> and... And what I had been was I'd been so influenced by the world, brainwashed, if you want to call it that, or institutionalized, uh, to think that money was, was what it was all about. And if I didn't have money, I was worthless. Mm. And I felt worthless. And I didn't feel good about myself. And I felt, you know, I was a loser in life and I couldn't provide this and go on a kind of holiday that was so cheap. And I knew it was an old caravan that was dirty and, we couldn't afford to go elsewhere and contact my family abroad. We couldn't have, and all these things and the car and the, the shoes that really I should have changed, but I couldn't afford to change my shoes. Going through all of that made me feel worth less. And it, the act of feeling worth less, that I projected worthlessness into, into the world. And when you project like that into the world, well, what, what, what I found, when I was projecting that, more worthlessness showed up. You know, yep. <laughs> less yep. opportunities for love, less opportunities for business, less opportunities to transact with people, less friends. It's, it's incredible how I now know what I did not know then. Because I was, a, you know, this was in my 20s, and I'm not, not as a kid. My 20s mm. didn't recognise this, you know. And, you know, you get to a point when you're in your early 30s and you're still thinking, I've got to get more money, you've got to get more money. And I sacrificed happiness. So let me give you this, 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 this picture that I realised that was... I was setting all these goals to achieve success because the world was telling me, you know, the world, every book, every coach you read, every person on stage, when you listen to these talks and things, YouTube videos, you've got to get, you've got to set goals to be successful. Yep. Goals involve money. We all know that. So, so what, what people then do, and I was doing it to the, I was an expert at doing this. What I was doing, I was saying to myself, David, Heather, don't you dare get me to be happy. Not until I've reached that millionaire status, then I'll be happy. Don't, no, no, oh, no. Yeah. People do this with their weight, with the right relationship, with, with the promotion they're looking for. Don't get me to be happy until I've got this, this, then I'll be happy. So here's what I didn't realize. I didn't realize that I was reserving happiness from today, refusing to experience it until I had the thing or the person in my life or the job, the promotion, the weight, the house, the bank. And I was literally this fractionation of leaving um, happiness from today, putting it into a future. And there's a second side to that tragedy. The first part mm -hmm. of that is that I wasn't feeling it now, refusing to. I still believe to this day, that's what most of the world does. They tax their happiness to achievements of goals. Here's the problem with that. Most people in most places around the world don't achieve their goals. 
That yeah. the question. So what happened to the happiness? You didn't feel it now, and you don't feel it then because you don't achieve the goal. So it's a strategy which is futile, uh, fruitless by definition, and it reduces your happiness. And that's when I realized the biggest thing that I was doing was I was reduced. It was bad enough being in my current situation, and then to attach a reduction to that to be even less happy than I should have been. That was the learning for me, which is why I had to change. And so wow. now you, you you have more connection, I believe, with your family than you had before? Yeah. Yeah, because when, when I realised that that's what I've been doing all of, the, all of my adult life until my late 30s, I was like, okay, so this isn't my life then, and this is not meant to be, this isn't even who I am. The reality of it was I had to go, go back inside me to the authentic self to say, okay, so like I'm in my late 30s, who am I really then? Well, I know, I know what I am. And it's not the, my money character. I'm, I'm actually a good guy, you know? Mm. And, I, and I, I love my family and I love my wife and I love my children. I love my dad and my brothers and my sisters. I love friends and neighbours. I love people I don't even know. I know that I love strangers around the world that, that I'll never meet. And I know that because I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. But I wasn't showing up as that guy. So what I then had to do was to go, okay, continue as you used to be or continue as your authentic self, be happy. And I didn't even move jobs, by the way. I stayed in the same role and the same job. Mm. I got myself into that. And I began to be more present because happiness is a present time experience. We can't be happy in the future. Not one of us can. Happiness is a present time experience. So I learned to accept my circumstances as dire as they were financially and just say, I'm being happy right now. If God gives me one more day, then I'll be happy in that day. But I'm being happy because I can do this today. I can be me today. I can be happy today. I can hold this space and be present today. I'm not sure I can do this next week or in three years or have a three-year business plan or a 20-year program. I don't know if I can do that, but I can do this today. And I can tell you this now. It might seem weird to you, but as if by magic, <laughs> when I began to live that way, my wife became a better wife. My kids were better kids. My dad was a better dad. My brothers and sisters were better. My clients were better. The, my prospects, so never, they never were bad. You understand that, obviously. Right. So yeah. you, you you work in finance. You still work in finance? Oh, yeah, I still do right now. Yeah. Right now, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, when you were working with other people, there's a, two questions here, really. One is, did you find that other people, for their uh, measurement of success, well, gaining more money and therefore hoarding money, and B, when you changed, how did they react to you? Great, great questions. The first one, yeah, if I hear the first one right, yeah, people uh, did used to sit down with me to, to work out how to hoard money and how to get more of it, but not but not have a more pleasurable experience in their lives, you know, through giving or sharing of what they had, whether that be money or time or love. And I, I know people to this very day who I still work with who never realized early enough that the money wasn't the only count, i.e. that they are very wealthy mm. and they're older and the health is shot and they cannot even leave the house mm. or they can't, do, they can't do the things they would love to be able to have done. They can't get an aeroplane and go somewhere and meet someone or have a great experience at the mountain or whatever. And, the, and all the money that they've got is now we're now just working on how do you pass that on tax efficiently to your heirs because because you can't use this money anymore. But can that be yeah. so, hoarded so much you forgot the point of life? 
you know, you've made that the thing rather than relationships and love uh, and et cetera. So, um, so yeah, so hoarding is um, something I've experienced as a phenomenon with people who have created wealth but haven't been wise around life because they thought that money equates to, to you know, to success in life. And we all know what well, we know um, that it doesn't. The second part of your question, Dave, was that how it changed me? Well, no, it was how other people responded to the change in you. Because oh, yeah. yeah. They're keeping it as, I mean, if you're in finance, right, a, a client will come to you and they'll go, well, how much money can you make for me? Right. Mm. So um, that is the scorecard of how well am I doing? Mm-hmm. Which in essence is how much money am I hoarding? It is for some people, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yes. How did they react to you when you oh. you made this this shift? I, I would say some some rejected me because mm. I've had a meeting this morning, for example, with a with a new couple introduced me, but met them at a wedding, and um, he's he's a consult a consultant, and she looks after property. But at their stages in life, now I share with them, listen, that here's how I work. Mm. In understanding you, knowing you, knowing what you're all about as people, how this relationship might work. I work on you, your values, understanding your identity, having to be who you really meant to be. I work from an authentic space rather than a return, a yield or a product space, um, which, by the way, their previous advisor worked in that other space. And they were saying, we don't want to work in that space. And, and I help them to articulate what they really wanted and who they really want, were and who they are right now. Mm-hmm. So even though it's one meeting, they're really saying, yes, how do we work with you? What do we do next? Uh, but then there's my other phase. Because what I noticed there is that um, when I began to show up as my authentic self, you must have heard this kind of phrase where it gave permission to others to be their authentic selves in that space as well. But when your authentic when you're your authentic self and you're planning for your whole future financially, you do it in the right way because it comes from your truth. So those people that got the idea of you plan from your truth rather than external factors or yields, what you think you've been told or in school or on some podcast that you've listened to, from your truth, then whole of your life and your meaning changes and so does your, your plan. So people that got that came to me in such numbers I had to then get other advisors to help me mm. to those clients. But some clients, some prospective clients, didn't get it at all. They're like, oh, we just want this and the best yield on that. And can you review this, analyze that? And they wouldn't let me in to understand them and have that personal, deeply personal relationship. So those people, I would simply move them on to another advisor within, within the organization because they weren't my people. See, I need to be my truth. And if you don't allow me to be my truth, someone else can look after you because I need to enjoy this, this role. I need to enjoy this, this relationship. And to, to me, to be my authentic space, it will get the very best for what you want in your life. If I can't be there because you're restricting how I operate, then we shouldn't work together. So I'm not going to hoard you. I'm not going to hoard you as a client and just count how many clients mm. you've got. I'm yeah. say, it's absolutely fine that we don't work together. I think I've got someone that could deal with you that's very transactional uh, and they can do this. And I ended it in a nice way. It's not an unpleasant meeting, uh, but it's good to know, for people to know that you're not going to just hold them and do business because okay. you could. It's because whether it's appropriate for them and for me. So some people rejected me. It's, it's a short answer. Right. And, and okay. the other time, in numbers beyond what I could have ever hoped for, 
since that revelation, people accepted it. And that's what made the difference to the becoming from broke, which where I was, to the happy millionaire. Yeah. I think well, it's I, fascinating. I sorry, Dave. Um, sorry, I was just yeah. going to say, I think it's about fear, isn't mm. it? It's, it's because, and yeah. these, this is where the equivalence exists with people who hoard belongings and items and people who hoard money. It's what you've just described in some of the clients that you let go, can't let go of a fear of something yeah. which is for them possibly not being able to be super in control of the money and just doing it this way. And whereas people that I work with um, and that Dave and I often talk to on podcasts, their fear is if they let go of their items, mm -hmm. then they will be a lesser person. But really behind that is something that's happened to them that this stuff is protecting them from, that they're still fearful will get them. It, if you know it's what a barrier. Yeah. yeah, it's a real but barrier. The, it is. But the really beautiful thing is what, which I see happen, which is why I continue to do the work, otherwise it would be um, really, you know, all very negative in a way, is when somebody does exactly what you did in your world, when somebody does let go and trusts to the process, then they become very evangelical. And so within my little WhatsApp support yeah. group, when that happens, there's like a rip. It's almost you can yeah. almost see it like a bit of electricity going through all the all yeah. the posts. And somebody goes, it's possible. Yeah. And then one person's done it and they go, well, if you did that, then maybe I can try it because I can talk about it here. And yeah. that's that connection, isn't it? That's that yeah. liberty. Yeah. Um, but it is a connection as well. It's a like, oh, to to let go, you get it all. If if you know. <laughs> It's a it's a hundred percent that, and I, I in my work I, I write and talk about the law of connection. So absolutely not so much the law of attraction, which we've all come across, but law of connection. Oh, thank goodness for that! Oh, <laughs> transforms people when you get it, and it's transformed. I've got a whole chapter on that in in my in my book, the Ten Second Philosophy, because it's you know, it's actually the law of connection. This is all about, uh, but also go back to the point you mentioned there, Heather, is that I, I, when people you're right about this fear of loss. They're hoarding things because they attach some kind of comfort to that object or objects. Mm -hmm. And the fear of losing that makes them feel in some way less than, yeah? Or they they, 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 want, they don't want to be without. They will feel reduced, less than, because that's what a loss is. You're less yeah. than whatever the yes. thing or the person even might, might be. I'm sure there are people that hoard relationships, you know? <laughs> we won't have names for those people. <laughs> but, uh, but the idea is that it's... You think about the person. You get you get you get um, a, 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 a person. They're in their home. They're hoarding all types of things, and the house is full, and they've got so much attachment. No, don't move that. Don't touch that. Don't take that out. But what they what they're not noticing, which is the tragedy, is the relationship that they're losing. Yeah. As in they're attaching to the thing, rather than the love, rather than the experience, rather than the the the, the, the hug, or the. The, the communication, the conversation, the, the caring, and they get sometimes they get to a point way if they're lucky because there's some unlucky ones that never get to this point. Where way down their life timeline, they realise, hmm, I haven't got any, anyone around me. I've just stuff. Yeah, and at that point they can capitulate into oh, it's just about the stuff. But if they're lucky and for the work that, that you guys do, they can wake up to actually, you know what. Uh, it's more than stuff because you can't even take the stuff with you. 
Um, <laughs> you, know, you know what happens? We, uh, I've, unfortunately, I lost my father-in-law uh, last year, and my um, and the family, you know, the base based in Ireland, well, the way before he died, and um, there's, there's been a recent house clearance because the house was being sold, and um, you know what? There's not one item in that house that he was able to take with him. Not a single one. Some of the stuff was given to family in different places. Yeah. And they, some of the stuff was thrown away. Oh, and it's heartbreaking, thrown isn't it? Away. Stuff it wasn't a hoarder, by the way, but it's just a, a No, no, but we accumulate a lot of stuff in our lives now. We're big consumers. Yeah. Yeah. So we've all got too much, really. Yeah. But yes, but, you can't. And you can't take your money with you. You either. can't take your money with you. You just you know, you could it's what what it can do. And even if you've got money. It's around, if you're hoarding money because you just think it's about how much have I got, no one cares. Oh, did he get, did he leave with 100,000 when he died? Did he leave, uh, how, how much How much did he leave behind? You know what the answer is? All of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve Jobs is well, a good apart example. From, apart from the little bit that you have to pay out for your coffin and your funeral. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you can get that cheap now. Yeah, yeah. How much did you leave? Well, all of it. So you can't. It's so I know it's a, an obvious one because we wouldn't go on this conversation if we didn't know, know this, but it's really obvious that we can't take it with us. So when we're hoarding this stuff, it's like to what end? Mm-hmm. And what, what are we missing that we're replacing with this stuff that we can't take with us? What have we missed? You know, store not up for yourself, treasured on earth, and all of that. You know, it's really about what are we missing? And it, and that, that to me is, is, a, is a tragedy. But in the same way, in my life, where I really at one point say one point. For years, up until about my late 30s, thought it's about the money, get some more money, get some more money, and work the hours. Here's what I was missing out on missing seeing my children being put to bed, missing being there in the morning when they woke up, missing um, their football game, missing the netball game, missing at, at the weekend, missing the hugs, li- missing the conversation, missing the opportunity to share values and ideas and thoughts and hear their jokes and, and missing the wrestling and missing the play fighting, missing all of that. Because I thought, I'll, when I've got the money, I'll be able to mm. do all of that. I, w- I woke up early enough to, 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 to stop that, thankfully, when there were still younger children. And but I know, unfortunately, that a lot of the world doesn't wake up to that. And when you then go, oh, okay, now I've got the money, and you're looking around, and you're in an empty room. Mm. The people that you, they're gone. Yeah. They're gone. There's, there's a lovely story, and I'll probably get this wrong, so bear with me. But a man goes to a Greek island, and he's on his holidays, and he goes out in a little fishing boat with this old guy, and they spend the day fishing. And the man says to the older guy, look, what you can do is you can sell your fish and get another boat. And then you can sell those fish that you get from the other boat and you can have a whole fleet of boats. Mm. And then when you've got a whole fleet of boats, you can have a processing plant and distribution and you can build it bigger and bigger and bigger. You can even have some of those big, big boats that go out for ages and ages and come back with the fish frozen. You know, they're out there for months. And the, the old guy goes, so what do I do after I've done all that? Well, what you could do is you could get a little boat and go out fishing. <laughs> That's yeah. fantastic. That's yeah. a lovely story. And I'm sure you got it right. It, yeah, it yeah is. that sounds right to me. <laughs> but I think you could also, in the fishing story, when he says, what do I do? While you're doing that, you could be making sure that you have a good life 
you have a good work-life balance and you're doing it because you're providing work for other people or you know so there there is a way of balancing it but we I don't think we, people see it because you just you've got one goal and when you've got one goal everything else falls away so we're going to come to an end in a minute Derek because I'm conscious of keeping you for too long and I'm so grateful no, this is a topic that we could talk I could well Dave and I could talk about this for days yeah, because that's yeah, what we do yeah. Yeah. But I just you you said yeah. earlier that you run happy millionaire retreats. Yes. Can you tell me what you do on the retreats? Because yeah. I'm fascinated. This is pre-COVID, by the way. So, so yeah, that's why I'm most. Well, re- I'm sure they'll come back now. I so. do, yeah, I, I do this um, different things, but the idea was most people that would email me speak around the world. I, my book obviously sold around the world, and I would do talks and stuff like that. The two biggest things, actually, for Google, go to three, that people then email me about or write about or go on the website. And and it would be, one was it was about money. Uh, that was by far the biggest thing they talk about, money. And they would have mentioned about uh, their business. And, of course, that's connected to money for some people, a lot of people. And then relationships. That Those were the, the key three things. And so what I thought to myself is that I need to help have people to understand that if money is the key driver, and it's hard when the whole world, as you alluded to, Heather, makes that the main thing, you know, to then go, I don't think it's about that. I think it's about relationships, connection, and being what we're meant to be and authentic and making a difference in the world. When the whole world, the education system, the TV, the media, the news, mm. everyone is, is doing that, which is why I don't read the newspapers or watch TV, by the way. But but the main thing for me is, is actually saying, if I'm going to do a retreat and people are thinking they come for this, first, what, what I do when I get bring them on the program is I get them to read my book or at least have a copy and listen to it on your on Audible. I also say to them, but we want to look, go into what's important about success to you. So to go through this values elicitation program from the get go in the first minutes of me being on my feet with with the room is to work out what's really important about life to them from a values perspective and here's the, here's what we notice you know that other things come up and if you look at the flip chart the money you mentioned on there maybe once because you can't repeat that but the other stuff is nothing to do with money and could you have all the other stuff without money as long as you can pay your bills obviously i get that bit mm. i'm paying mm. all the other stuff great yes i could what if you have the money but none of the other stuff. Who'd want it? No, but it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because I wouldn't know. Yeah. I think I'd be more pressured by having a lot of money, yeah. um, mainly because if I've covered everything that I need in terms of, say, Maslow's Pyramid of Needs, you yeah, know, yeah. you're aware of that, yeah? yeah? So the bottom bit with your shelter and, and food and all of that, and you move up, I'd probably have to give a lot of it away. because I just Well, his, his top pinnacle is altruism. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what we that, can. That's, that's the top yeah. of Maslow's Triangle. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, you could work up there, Dave, and, and you'd be happy well, in that top triangle. I know you would. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been uh, putting out kids' books in PDF form, and Heather was uh, drawn. She did a forward for one of the books, and she's there's a cartoon of Heather out there. I now. have an avatar. Okay. okay. <laughs> very nice. And uh, But it's like a folly, really, because... The books don't sell, but I'm giving the illustrator in Glasgow, Andy Lever, uh, some work, you know. So mm. for me, that's that's right. more important than the books actually selling, which yeah. is a bizarre. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I don't like it. <laughs> you know, but, 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 but that's it, isn't it? It's things that you've you've over the over the years. We also have like set things that we don't know where they come from. Sayings that mm. came down from like that will only make you miserable, or things like this that are embedded in us that we can't mm. see. Yes. So one of the things that I've been I've been doing with my daughter, which we haven't, we, we're sort of creating it now, is a, a course on how to joy. Hmm. And I'm sure Dave, you won't want to join us because that. No, you're it coming out in times already. I know. Oh. We are. We're going. We're putting together that because I think that's one of the things that it's exactly what you've just described in your retreats. Hmm. I think we put this off. It's not allowed. It's frivolous to be joyful. It, you know, it's like oh, but actually, it's free medicine, yeah. and I think we yeah. all need it. And we, and you know it, and you've learnt it, Derek. Mm -hmm. And a little bit might squeak into your life, Dave, if you sit in. Maybe at some point. Classes. But I mean, I live in Edinburgh, and obviously, you have John Knox House. Right, and John Knox was very much a Puritan. He was going around going, "That'll be nay singing, and there'll be nay dancing." Right, so like uh, and I've got the beard, so I've probably, like, <laughs> you know, I probably inhabit. I've been possessed by John Knox. You're channeling, well, channeling. Sorry, <laughs> so you're channeling John Knox. So yeah, well, apparently before he died, uh, and I don't know whether this is true or not, they brought dancing girls in while he was on his deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> just wind him up. I hope that's true. Well, yeah, that oh, I hope that's true as well. That's a great note it's for a us far, to, to end on. Yeah, a far, far better story. I want to just jump back to, because you've kind of keep going back to this, Heather, directly and indirectly, is that it, for me it's more of an inside-out basis. Because when I ran these Happy Millionaire retreats, um, it was really around helping people to discover the other parts of who they are in their lives yeah. and what was important and here's kind of a bit more of that magic that we talked about earlier on and that is that if you're living your authentic self your authentic life you now we're loving and your relationships and your values and your all the things are important to you and you're authentically being yourself in the world if you take that into your whole life that means your relationships and your business you'll be richer in your relationships mm. and thank god you'll be richer in your business too. In other words, when money comes, you, the experience will be far greater because you've lived as you. You've been more your authentic self. So money isn't the thing to aim for. It's a byproduct of your truth, of your happiness, of you sharing that, of you creating a base for others to be and to learn that that's how we should be being in the world. So it's really around, we kind of go full circle. If you want money, well, that'll come anyway. That isn't the main thing. It's actually a byproduct of what of the difference you can make in the world, in the lives of others. It's how much. So, by imagine this. Just imagine for a second that your real wealth could be is a byproduct of how much you love, and how much you make a difference in the lives of others, and how much you help other people and give them permission to be their true self and their authentic self. Whatever that was, what it was really all about. So many is not more than it's not the end game. It's a byproduct. Yeah. It certainly is not the main count. In fact, it wouldn't even be in the top three of the count. It's just a byproduct. So you show me the, the, the guy or the woman that makes a difference in the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. And by definition, over generations, it may be in the lives of millions of people. 
They may end up up with no money, but they are far the richer and their lives will be counted as far richer than the guy that sat down in his house like Ebenezer Scrooge, just counting the bags of gold that had no connection, no life, and left everything to, to who doesn't matter who left it to, left everything, yeah? So well, sometimes it's the state, because if you've, well, yeah, if, exactly. you know, if you've, if you've eschewed all relationships and all yeah. finally, you know, yes. like, let everybody leave you then maybe you just yeah. suddenly yeah. don't have anybody or yeah. oh, anything to do yeah. with it which you is just that. triggered my brain now with the scrooge thing <laughs> charles dickens visited edinburgh he saw a grave for a man called scroggy scroggy worked in meal he, he sold meal but dickens read it wrong and thought it said a mean man Oh, oh, right. So that's where you get. That's where you get screwed from. Sorry, I couldn't say it. A bit of a, if that was true, that'd be a bit of a harsh epitaph, wouldn't it? And whoever yeah. wrote with their chisel, and <laughs> really a mean, mean. Man. It was really awful, <laughs> dreadful. Yeah. We're glad he's dead. <laughs> Good job. But what I'm saying, there, Heather, is that most people live what's called an outside-inside way of life. What we're talking about here is an inside-out way of life. Absolutely. Yeah. And the attachment to money reduces its attachment to being your truth, sharing love. In my business here, a lot of people think it's it's a money business. My flip chart be, you know, to, my, to my left over here um, will tell you, anyone that comes in, what's written on there, this is not a money business. This is a people business. And I've been doing this for 26 years, and I'm still saying, when that fades by the sunlight, I turn the sheet and I write it again. This is not a money business. This is a people business. It's And if it's true, then it's true for me, true for you. It's about who we are, our relationship with others, our relationships with ourselves, our relationships in whatever we believe in, our faith or whatever it might be. It's all of that. And when we forget all that to count money, we're forgetting the main thing. Absolutely. Thank you for finishing. So basically, I think what we have established today is that some people may be hoarding money and but there is a different way so they can continue to make money but not to be anxious about it not to be worried about it to actually feel very expansive and open and connected Mm. about it and that is very similar to people who hoard items they can have a different way they can leave those attachments without it depleting their life in fact it can improve and and develop their life um and so on that i think we'll i'm quite happy to sacrifice myself in terms of helping anybody who is in the position of hoarding money by taking some of that money (laughs) off your hands so you no longer have that problem i'll take on that burden for you i thought you get some altruistic philosophy there and then you no that's great it's great to have humor (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank you for that and and on that i think we'll say thank you so much derek oh, it's been wonderful you. today really really lovely really enjoyed that um, david god bless you both thank, thank you. you thank you